turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Why did the Southern Kingdom last 136 years longer than the Northern Kingdom? Here's why. I'll tell you why. Give me your attention. Because the Northern Kingdom did not have one single godly king. They were all ungodly. Every single one of them. The Southern Kingdom at least had some godly kings. They had a lot of ungodly kings, but they had some godly kings mixed in with them, some that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And that sprinkling of godly kings in the southern kingdom, it delayed the judgment of the southern kingdom. When you look at the leadership in this country, it's easy to say, well, that's how they're going to be, but it doesn't have much effect on my life. But they do affect your life. The attitudes they convey trickle down into the way regular people act towards each other, too. And this was some of what the prophet Micah was addressing. As you'll hear in Pastor Dan's teaching today, as you listen to what was going on in the two kingdoms at Micah's time, you'll learn that how nations treat God matters to God. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Micah chapter 1 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. it's more than just hearing. It's like, okay, I heard that. But what you hear should cause a response. It should cause you to take action. God is telling the nation these things so that they can do something about it. In the New Testament, we're told to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word, not hearers only. The reason we read the Bible every day and spend time in the word and we go through the word on Sundays and Thursdays and we go through the word in different men's studies, home groups, women's studies, is we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We don't want to just memorize scripture. We want to hide it in our heart that I might not sin against you. So I know how to act. So I know how to behave. So I know what I should do. It's hearing to obey. Hear. All you peoples, listen on, O earth, and all that is in it. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple in heaven. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place, and he will come down, and he will tread on the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like water poured down a steep place. Notice going back up to verse 2, this message is for all the earth. It's for all people. The nations are called to hear. God's judgment of Judah and Israel is a warning to all the nations. He says it's a witness against them. If God will judge his own chosen people for their sin, the nations of the earth need to take heed. God is putting non-believers on notice here. 
I don't give my own people a pass when it comes to sin. First Peter chapter four, verse 17 says judgment begins at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? If God's going to hold us accountable and judge us. What will be the end of those who are non-believers who do not obey the gospel of God? And he's putting all the nations of the world on notice here because there will be a time known as the tribulation when God, just as it says here, when God will come down out of his place in heaven and he will intervene in human history and he will pour out his wrath on this wicked world. That's what that's described in detail in Revelation chapters six to 19. There's going to be a point. When the lamb gets up from his throne and takes the scroll and starts opening the seals on the scroll. And starts pouring out his judgment upon this Christ rejecting wicked world. And again, just as we saw in Revelation 5, the church is in heaven before that happens. But there will be a point. And just as he says here, during that time that is called the tribulation period, it's a seven year period when God is pouring out his wrath upon the earth and his judgment upon the earth. Look what it says. God will tread on the high places of the earth, the things that mankind has elevated, the things that mankind has elevated in place of God. He's going to tread all over them. Look at verse four. The mountains will melt under him and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. Who will be able to stand against God's judgments if the mountains melt under his feet? I mean, they melt like wax. What chance does a non-believer have? The mountains can't stand up to him. His judgment will be poured out, it says, It'll be poured like a waterfall. Once it starts, there's no stopping it. There's no slowing it. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 21, it says, For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth will also disclose her blood and will no more cover her slain. So Isaiah uses similar language there. As Micah, again, they're contemporaries. And he says, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. There will be a time of reckoning for the world. The time is coming. A day of judgment. And what the Bible calls the day of God's vengeance on the ungodly and on the wicked and on the evil in this world. And the, the only way to escape the wrath that is to come upon this earth is through faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only way out of that. The Bible tells us again that Jesus will take us to heaven. Before he begins to open that scroll. Before he begins to pour out his wrath upon the earth. Time of God's wrath is not for the church. Listen to this prayer. That Isaiah prays in Isaiah 64. Listen to what he says. Oh, that you would rend the heavens. That you would come down. 
that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. Isaiah prayed, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That you would make your name known to your adversaries, that you would make the nations tremble at your presence. Oh, Lord, if you would just just rend the heavens and come down. As he's looking at the world that he lived in. Isaiah prays, rend the heavens. Come down, Lord. You ever feel that way? Maybe this week watching the news. Just Lord, just come down. Just rend the heavens and come down. Again, Isaiah and Micah, they're contemporaries. And Micah has this word from the Lord, this prophecy. Where he says, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places of the earth. And Isaiah at the same time prays, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Do it, Lord. You've given us this promise through the prophet Micah. Do it, Lord. Rend the heavens and come down. I love it. Now, in verse 5, the Lord tells us why he will judge Israel. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. He's talking about the whole house of Israel, northern and southern kingdom here. And what is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? The word transgression typically means doing something wrong that you know is wrong. Versus sin, which is missing the mark. I'm trying to do what's right, but I fall short. Or I didn't know that this was wrong. Transgression is, I know that this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyways. Transgression is intentional. Transgression is deliberate. It's, I know that's the line, but I'm going to cross the line because I want to cross the line. Look what he says here. He mentions Samaria and Jerusalem. You know what their sin is, he says? You know what their transgression is? You know why I'm going to judge them? Just look at their capital cities. Look at Samaria. Look at what's going on there. Look at Jerusalem and what's going on there. They've become places of idolatry and immorality. Now in verse 6 now, he speaks specifically of the judgment of Samaria. And he begins by addressing Samaria and the judgment of Samaria because the northern kingdom was conquered first. The northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. Now that's during Micah's lifetime, during his ministry. So as Micah wrote about this destruction that is going to come upon the northern kingdom, it came in his lifetime. It came just a few years Later, he was a witness to the destruction of the northern kingdom. And then the southern kingdom was judged and destroyed by the Babylonians about 136 years later. And 500 or 586 B.C. So the northern kingdom, capital of Samaria, is destroyed. And about 136 years later, the southern kingdom with the capital of Jerusalem is destroyed And why did the southern kingdom last 136 years longer than the northern kingdom? Here's why. I'll tell you why. Give me your attention. Because the northern kingdom did not have one single godly king. They were all ungodly. 
Every single one of them. The southern kingdom at least had some godly kings. They had a lot of ungodly kings, but they had some godly kings mixed in with them. Some that did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And that sprinkling of godly kings in the southern kingdom, it delayed the judgment of the southern kingdom. 136 years. Again, leaders matter. They matter. You can look at the difference between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and you can see they matter. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Therefore, verse 6, here's what he's going to do to Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom. I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field. Places for planting a vineyard. This is the capital city. I mean, think, think about uh, if, if, if somebody were to write that Washington, D.C. is just going to become a place for planting vineyards. I'm going to so utterly destroy it, it's just going to be a farm when I'm done with it. A heap of ruins in the field, places for planting a vineyard. I will pour down her stones into the valley and I will uncover her foundations. If you go to the site of ancient Samaria today, it's a heap of ruins. And it's in the middle of an olive vineyard. Just as God said, and it was built on a hill. And so a lot of the stones of the city, when the Assyrians came in and conquered it, they cast them down into the valley. Just as it says here, they knocked the buildings down to the foundations, just as God said he would do here in Micah, fulfilling this prophecy precisely. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. They had all of these idols there. And all her pay as a harlot shall be burned with fire. All her idols I will lay desolate, for she gathered it from the pay of a harlot, and they shall return to the pay of a harlot. Now, Israel is described as God's wife in the Bible. The church is the bride of Christ. Israel is the wife of Jehovah. I'd rather be a bride than a wife. It just sounds more lively being a bride versus a wife, I guess. I don't know. So Israel is described as God's wife. And Israel was an unfaithful wife to God. Israel turned from God to idols. We saw that in Hosea. The whole book of Hosea was about that. Israel turned to other gods. In Israel, in a sense, then committed spiritual harlotry. And here's what God is saying to Israel. And please don't miss this. He's saying to Israel, everything that you gained from your other gods, I'm going to take it away from you. You're going to lose everything. 
And here the people of Israel, they went after all these other gods because they believed those gods would benefit them more than Jehovah, than Yahweh. They believed those gods would bring them greater pleasure, greater happiness, greater prosperity. And maybe those gods did for a season. But in the end, going after all those other gods cost Israel everything. And let Israel be a lesson to us. The Bible says that sin is pleasurable for a season, but then that season ends. And sin has a way of just taking everything from us. And someone who forsakes the Lord Jesus Christ and goes after sin, maybe they have pleasure for a season, but then that sin takes everything away from them. They lose everything that matters because of that sin. Sin comes at a very high price. Just ask Israel. It can make your life a heap of ruins. For that's all that you have left. It's just ruins. And so in verse 8 now we have the response of Micah to this prophecy. Now before we look at verse 8. Just look back up at verse 1. In verse 1 Micah said he saw these things. Concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. And so God revealed these things to Micah through some kind of vision. He saw them. God allowed Micah to see the judgment that would come upon Israel. He allowed Micah to see Samaria, this great city, in a heap of ruins. It wasn't just words given to Micah. He had pictures. He had video of it kind of thing. He saw it. And so now verse 8, here's his response Therefore, I will wail and I will howl and I will go stripped and naked. I will make a wailing like the jackals and a mourning like the ostriches. (laughs) Micah was so overwhelmed by God's judgment. Micah was so overwhelmed. He responds to God's judgment with deep mourning. He wailed. He howled with grief. Like the wailing of jackals and the mourning of ostriches. You know, this afternoon I went on YouTube and you, if you can do it. You'll do it when you get home just because I'm saying this. Uh, you can go on and look for the wailing of jackals and you can watch some jackals wail. You'll spend hours doing this. And the mourning of ostriches. And you can listen to that as well. And you can get a sense of how Micah responded to seeing God's judgment that would come upon Israel. Listen, because they refused to repent and turn back to God. This judgment would have been avoided if the people would have only listened to Micah. And the other prophets. Micah's response is much like Jesus's response. When he wept over Jerusalem. Remember he wept over Jerusalem. Because they rejected him. And he could see. The destruction that would come upon the city of Jerusalem. Because they rejected him. As their Messiah and King. In Luke chapter 19. It says that as Jesus drew near to the city. He saw the city. And he wept over it. And there it's describing. Like uncontrollable crying. It's, 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 you know, it's ugly crying that he's doing. It's sobbing heavily. It's wailing, just like Micah here. So when you picture Jesus 
uh, weeping over Jerusalem. Don't just picture like a tear going down his cheek. He's convulsing. It's heavy crying here. And he says, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes Four days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem that occurred in 70 A.D. And so. The way that Jesus responded was very similar to the way that Micah responded. And I think about us. And living in the days that we live in. And we see the way that our culture is going and we see the way that our country is going and knowing what the Bible says about the last days and what the Bible says about the signs of the times and what the Bible says about the tribulation that is to come upon the earth. And we see all of these things coming together with mind-boggling speed, like never before in our lifetime. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to watch. It should cause us to mourn and to grieve. It's not exciting. If you've been a Christian for a while, if you've been a Christian for like 10 years or 20 years or more, you remember when end times prophecy was exciting to talk about. And trying to figure it out and how all the pieces are going to come together and pull it. Do you read about this? Do you read about that? Oh, wow, I can't believe that. And that's going to fulfill that. And there was there was a sense of excitement. To end times prophecy and how it's all going to be fulfilled and how it's all going to come together. And. It's not exciting in that way anymore. It's exciting because it's the word of God. Don't get me wrong. But there's a heaviness. There's a sobriety. There's a soberness. Because it's not so much speculation anymore. It's a lot less speculation. Where before it was like, whoa, this could, that, maybe that will be the mark of the beast. Maybe, uh, uh. How would they ever get everybody to take a mark? How would that ever happen? You know what I mean? There's a heaviness to it now when you read those prophecies. And what makes it even more heartbreaking to watch is knowing that if our nation would turn back to God, it would delay God's judgment. Just like with Micah. He knew if they would just turn back. They would be spared. God would relent. And it doesn't have to be this way. Micah knew that. Jesus knew that. As he looked at Jerusalem, we know that doesn't have to be this way. As Micah looked at the nation going down the path of destruction. He knew it doesn't have to be this way. They would just turn back. And so there's a. There's a grieving. That goes with this. And so he describes it here in verse eight again. Therefore, I will wail, I'll howl. I'll go stripped and naked. I will make a wailing like the jackals in the morning, like the ostriches. Look what he says. For her wounds are incurable. For it has come to Judah. It has come to the gate of my people. 
to Jerusalem. Her wounds are incurable. Israel's condition is terminal, is the idea here. He asked me how I know, and I say, bring truer than the finest crystal. We're so glad you tuned in to hear today's edition of Ring of Truth. Pastor Dan Sexton is continuing to teach through the book of Micah verse by verse, chapter by chapter. If you'd like to hear this message again or to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dan, you're welcome to visit our website at calvaryec.com. Once there, you can listen to or download a wide range of previous broadcasts. Otherwise, simply subscribe to our podcast. Our podcasts provide you with up-to-date teachings through the Bible and can be taken with you wherever you might be. This can be advantageous for those who are on the go much of the time. You'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast at our website, calvaryec.com, or just search for Ring of Truth in iTunes. We'd love to hear how Ring of Truth has had an impact on your life, so please let us know by giving us a call at 410-491-4592. That number again is 410-491. 491-4592. We'd also really like to know how we can be praying for you. So when you call, don't be afraid to share your prayer request with us. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you. Ring of Truth is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. We hope you'll be sure to join us again as Pastor Dan continues teaching in this series through the book of Micah. We look forward to the next edition of Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and will I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.